being bothered. Which bless us in the study that we might, our understanding of the church and of you and of our role might be better understood. Would you bless us all and uh, keep us in your, all in your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mitch. Yes, better understand our role. That's, that's a worthy purpose for this class, better understand our role. If some of you don't know Mitch and Joel Potter yet, that's who they are. And uh, they may be new to a lot of you. Glad to have them with us. We are, we're talking about the church of our dreams. And, of course, uh, we're looking to Scripture to inform us on what that church ought to look like. And last week, we talked about the fact that the church of our dreams takes care of her own. That she shows compassionate concern, active concern for her brothers and sisters, for members in her body. So whether those are physical needs or emotional needs or spiritual needs, we're concerned about one another's welfare. And we want to do what we can. We may be limited to some extent, but we want to do what we can to meet each other's needs. And we went to the book of Acts and several other places to show us that the early church was that kind of church. They met each other's needs. We are a school of compassion. This is where we learn how to love. And we start by learning how to love each other. And today I want to show us that that flows our body and extends into the community in which we live. Uh, I want to begin by sharing an illustration with you that I may have shared with you before. So if I have shared it with you, just act like you haven't heard it because it's still a really good one. How many of you know who Ira North is? Yeah, lots of you. Ira North preached for the Madison Church of Christ in Madison, Tennessee. And if you know anything about that church, asked him, uh, pardon us, sir, but is this the church what helps people? And if you know Ira North or you've read about him, he had this gap-toothed grin. He would flash. And he, would, he said to those boys, he said, you know, this is amazing to me. Out of all the churches in Madison, Tennessee, you found the church what helps people. You found the one that helps people. And then, of course, he asked them what he could do for them and tried to help them. But I love that story. Here is a church that is known for helping people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Meadowlark was known for that reason? This is the church that helps people. Not just those who are members in this Christian family, but for those who are outside of this Christian family. 
We are the church that helps people. Uh, there are really two questions I want us to address today. And the first one is, is community service justified? Yes. And the second one is, how might we serve those in our community? Uh, the reason why we're going to ask that Some would say it's not the work of the church to get involved in community service. What is the work of the church? The work of the church is to preach the gospel. The work of the church is to teach and preach the gospel. So people have spiritual needs. We're interested in helping them and meeting those needs. But when it comes to community service, well, the church is not a do-good agency. The church is not just another do-good agency. The church has a very special role and that is to preach and teach the gospel of Christ. I think there are people who would say that. Some might be concerned that uh, that's not what we ought to focus on, is community service. So I want us to spend a few minutes talking about that. Should we be involved in community service? Let's begin by going to the book of Ephesians. Now we started in this class in this book. Remember we said that the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians is the book we would go to to learn more about the nature of the church because Paul says so much about Christ and the church in the book of Ephesians. But we went to chapter 5, the church is the body of Christ. We went to chapter 2, verse 16, church is the body of Christ. I want us to notice just one passage, and that's Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23 where Paul concludes his prayer by saying that he, that is God, has put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. But the church, Paul says, is the fullness of him. Who fills all in all? Who fills all in all? That's got to be Jesus, don't you think? Who fills all in all? But the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Kind of an enigmatic, mysterious phrase. One that we'll never plumb the depths of. But don't you get the idea from that passage that what Paul is saying is that the church completes Jesus. The church continues the work that Jesus did on the earth. And the church actually is his fullness. it's, It's the full manifestation or the full representation of Jesus himself. All right. The church is the fullness of Jesus. So would it make sense that if we are called to live as Jesus lived while he was on the earth, if we are called to represent Jesus, his values, his ministry... Doesn't it make sense that whatever Jesus did, we ought to be doing? Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me, but I want it to make sense to you. We need to be doing what Jesus did. Why? Because we are his fullness. We represent him. Okay, now let's go to Luke chapter 4. And just a very quick review of what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Luke 4. 
Uh, well, let's see. Let's, let's talk about verse 38 where we learn that uh, he left the synagogue, went to Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever and Jesus healed her. And then verse 40. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Now, the point I briefly want to make from that particular passage is Jesus cared about people to the extent that he healed the sick and he helped them when they had their problems. When they had problems, he tried to minister to them. Now, in, in, the, uh, in the effort to be fair, I want you to notice verse 42. After a long day of teaching in the synagogue and healing uh, past sunset, Jesus gets up early in the morning, goes to a deserted place where Mark tells us he prays. And then in verse 43, the crowds are pursuing him and Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this purpose. Jesus strongly felt that his purpose was to teach and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. So his ministry was a teaching ministry. But the previous verses also show that his ministry was a serving ministry, a doing ministry, a helping ministry, right? Well, if you're just going to summarize what Jesus did, when he saw that, he, that people had needs that he
Honey, is that better? Okay. My, my. All right. Who was going to read that? Was that back here in this corner? Justin? Okay, thank you, Justin. In the first book that I wrote to you, Theophilus, I told you about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And what I want to do is I want to make hay with that word began. In the Gospel of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, what Jesus began to do and to teach. Acts is a book where Luke is describing what Jesus continued to do and to teach. Oh, but wait a minute. Jesus is in heaven. Right. But his work is unfinished. Well, how is Jesus continuing? Now I feel like I've got a whisper to keep from blowing your eardrums out. You might turn me down there, David. Thank you. How is Jesus continuing his work of doing and teaching when he's in heaven? He's continuing it through his disciples. So we could call, we could rename the book of Acts the Acts of Jesus. Or we could rename it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's big there too. But what I want you to see is Luke is under the impression that the ministry of Jesus has not ended. It is only continuing in the world through the lives of his disciples and through the church. Well, what did the church do in the book of Acts? Well, you find people who continue to care for people and meet their needs. Sure, they taught the gospel. They preached the gospel. But they also cared about the needs of others. It was a ministry of service. And there's just one more verse I want to talk about before we go to more uh, specific ways that we can help those in our community. Where is Galatians 6 and verse 10? Yeah. Galatians 6 and verse 10. Not only do we find the early church giving us an example of serving the needs of others, we have a command from the Apostle Paul. And here it is in, in verse 10. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. That's not how I memorized that verse, though. Somebody read that verse to us in something we remember. Galatians 6.10. Martha? Let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people especially to those in the family of heaven or the family of God. I mean, you, you see the order there. We, we meet each other's needs in the family of God. That's where we learn to love people. But our love, the demonstration of our love is not limited to one another. It must extend beyond the body of Christ. Let us do good to all people. In fact, chances are, if we're not loving each other by meeting each other's needs, we're not going to do that in our neighborhoods or in our communities. But Paul says it's not enough for you just to be concerned with your own needs. What are you doing to help other people who are not in the family of God? Okay. Now, let's see if I can... uh... Yeah, that's a good summary right there, isn't it? I think so, too. Think about this quote with me before we move on to the next question. The mission of the church is never merely the perpetuation of an institution, but the continuation 
of the work of Christ. Why are we here? We are here to demonstrate what real love looks like. And by the way, this is a love that is way beyond human love. This is a love that we learn from God. As John said, we love because he first loved us. And we're just demonstrating the love of God in our relationships with other people. I like that quotation. I don't remember where I took it from, but I like it. I think I took it from uh, the second incarnation, the book I referred to earlier. All right. How might we serve our community? We might think about how we're serving our community today. I've heard John and Jeff talk about homeless ministry. That's, that's one way we can serve our community. And I don't even know what all you all are doing in the homeless ministry besides giving food to the hungry on Saturday. I'm sure counseling, talking with them, praying with them. What kind of, what kind of community service would we like to be involved in as a church family? Yeah, we're going to get to that. I want us to think on two levels here, by the way, and we're, we're going to get to some discussion questions here in just a minute. I want us to think about two levels. Number one, what can I do as an individual Christian to serve people around me? I'm talking now about my neighbors, my actual neighbors. What if Jesus, what if Jesus intended for us to love our actual neighbors as we love ourselves? That certainly means I need to get to know them. That certainly means I need to be thinking about how I can serve those who live in my vicinity. So I do want us to think about that level of community service. What can I, as an individual Christian, do to serve people around me who don't know the Lord? And then I want us to think about what can Meadowlark do to serve this community? Because God has asked us to be salt and light in this community, are we? Are we serving those in our community? Do they know that we're here? What do they know about us? Oh, that's the group that believes you have to be baptized to be saved. Or that's the group that doesn't use instruments in their worship. How do they know us? Do they know us as people who really love others and help others? I would hope so. So how might we as a church family serve those in our community? And these are just some possible ideas. Are we, living, are we living in a community where a lot of people don't know English? How about, teach, how about starting a ministry that teaches the English language to people who don't know it? Are we living in a community where daycare is sparse and uh, we've got uh, dual income earners and mom and dad are both working and have a hard time finding time for the kids? Can we start a daycare program? Uh, how about drug and alcohol treatment programs or other ideas? Just, I want you to just think. Just think. Now, here are some discussion questions. And what I'd love for you to do is to read those and think about them as you respond today. We're down to about 15 minutes where I usually give you a chance to talk. So think about these questions. How do you respond to the idea that we should be involved in community service? Is that legit with you? I know it is with Philip and Lucy. They're vocal up here about it. How about is it the rest of you? Are, is, that, is that something we ought to be involved in? Number two, in what ways do you think you could love your neighbor? How might you love your neighbor? I'm going to talk about my wife for just a minute, honey. I, I, no, you're shaking your head, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
Uh, recently, we met a neighbor across the street who is a, uh, she's not a principal at a school, but she's a dean of a school uh, with uh, young people who, are, who have a hard time. And Becky is asking her as we talk on the street. Actually, her girls came by selling Girl Scout cookies, and fortunately, I was there. So we, we bought plenty of Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Anyway, we got talking with this neighbor, and she, she works in a school, uh, underprivileged children primarily, and she says one of her ministries is providing ramen soup bowls for these kids who don't have food to eat. So we go to the store Friday night, and Becky buys a whole case of ramen soup, and uh, she's going to take it across the street and say, here, give these out to the kids. Just an illustration. How might you love your neighbors in concrete ways? And then I want you to think about number three. How might Metal Ark better serve our community? There are things we cannot do, but there are some things we can do and should do. So think about that with me. Okay. Now, I want you to talk. I want you to have opportunity to share your ideas and your thoughts. So, as you think about these questions, Philip, I know you want to talk, don't you? Is that on? Speak into that. When the Medicine Church started to have uh, care for senior people in need, one of the famous legalistic brethren went to see Ira North and condemned what they were doing. And Ira said to him, Brother, you rest rest at ease. When you're old and decrepit and your brethren won't take care of you, we will. We we give you a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. John? Well, I'll break on my wife, too. Good. You know, she is so much better at this than I do, uh, than I am, but... Um, several times uh, we've noticed a neighbor moving in um, into our neighborhood, and uh, and she has gone over and fixed uh, fixed dinner for them, so they didn't have to worry about dinner while they were moving in. Uh, she is also uh, uh, when we were moving, we had movers come in to move uh, some of our heavy stuff. Uh, she had dinner for them, and we invited them for, for dinner. Excellent. So you know that's a simple thing, but. Boy, it made such a powerful difference, mm-hmm. you know, for those, uh, those, you know, in both ca- cases or in multiple cases. Good. Thank you for sharing that. A number of years ago, uh, we had some people that moved in and the man was not mowing his lawn. He was not what? He was not mowing his lawn. Oh. And Richard went over one day when they weren't home, and he mowed his lawn for them. And and when he came back, uh, he was highly offended that Richard had done that. He took it the wrong way. But but the end of the story is that we all became very good friends. Ah, wonderful example. Susan. Uh, the Crosstown Church in Tulsa uh, wanted to launch a neighborhood kind of program, and they uh, bought T-shirts that said Summer of Service and the church name on the back and um, spent the summer helping neighbors with yard work, cleanup, whatever. And um, I think that made a probably bigger impact almost on the congregation than it did on the neighborhood. Mm. And... Uh, 
that the proximity, they dealt with the people that were close to the church, so that was easier for people then to, the neighbors and stuff, to know who they were and to, to reach out if they needed help. That's good. I think our teenagers have done something like that as well. The whole congregation. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, we'll hear from Christy and then Richard. I just, I just want when you were, you were in Mark four, and you were talking about Jesus's example. um, Something that just touches me is the fact that after sunset, when all the people were coming to see Jesus that the scriptures say that he personally touched each one of them. Mm. He could have healed them in a mass healing, but he didn't. He took the time to see each one for what their needs were, and he personally reached out and touched them. He, he ministered to where they were at that particular time. And maybe that's what one of our examples should be, too. Great insight. Showing individual concern. Yeah. Well, a lot of people might not know that there is a Church of Christ disaster relief, and I think it's from the congregation you're talking about. Um, A few years ago in Gerald, Texas, there was a uh, Category 5 tornado that totally wiped out Gerald, Texas. It, It took the pavement, every blade of grass, everything, and it wasn't a few days later, great big semi trucks came and gave those people startup everything, furniture and everything. At the same time, one of my co-workers had a fire, and he lost everything. And I was able to take some of that furniture and give him a start again. And here in our community, there are people that are in need. And as we find out about it, I think as a congregation, we could in some small way get together and help them out. Good. Thanks, Richard. I just kind of wanted to brag on the Metal Arc Church in general. If you didn't see um, the thank you note from my sister in the Wednesday Bulletin, go back and read your email. But you guys have really, really blessed her. Um, She is 26 years old and single. And said, I will foster three children. She is so, so brave. And this church, just different individuals heard about it and said, can we buy her some bunk beds? Can we get her some bedding? Um, Individual people have donated money so that she has not had to work. And she can just take care of these babies whose mom is in rehab and dad is in jail and who their grandmother who was taking care of them passed away, which is why she said, will you take these children? And so, you know, I think even in our own midst, we have some pretty special people who are loving their neighbors. Very good. Anyone else? I like the verse you referenced in Galatians that as you have opportunity as you have opportunity not only individually but collectively and I think um, I think it's awesome when we are alert and aware of what's going on around us 
and the opportunities that do present themselves. Being aware and responsive um, to what's happening in our community, um, disasters or tragedies or just needs um, like what Angela was talking about, but um, even just even just events that are a big deal. What can we do? How can we respond? Yes. You know, rather than just being a group that gathers to worship on Sunday. Good. You know, being being aware. I mean, we have in this day and age such great technology with email and and Facebook and you know just just ways to get information out and ask for help and get responses. And we all collectively have many gifts and abilities. You know, so I, I don't think it always has to be a structured, ongoing program, but it can be as we have opportunity and, you know, like I said, individually and collectively. Okay. I agree with my wife. Uh, and also, um, I think that this topic can also be at some layer we have some organized ministries that we can all participate in, mm-hmm. that are community outreach-based, mm-hmm. as well as allowing room for the individual member to do things. Yes. So my neighbor's moving. We need help. Perfect. But these, men, these community service areas, we have decided as a church to focus on together while not precluding individual members helping their neighbors and being willing to do that. And I, I think that in the absence of sort of those more church-wide, and a little bit of a tangent, I think we need to be willing to join other groups that are already doing a great job and work with them instead of feeling like we have to do it ourselves. The Church of Christ is known as isolated because we don't want to join with anyone else. And I think it's holding us back from serving our community sometimes. And we, we do our own, and that's okay too, and we should be local. But um, I think in the absence of having sort of community outreach and service as a church-wide vision or mission, we just become inward. Mm-hmm. If we don't have an outward, like talking about it from leadership, from the pulpit, from classes all the time, we just start to stare at our navels a little bit. And now the things we worry about are worship and whether we're singing good enough and whether it was good teaching or not. And I think that's the natural outcome when we don't have this topic as a focus of the church, both at the individual level and at the church-wide level. Good. Very good. Justin. Um, Just kind of to continue on with what David just mentioned, I know of a church that is just one of many in a city um, that's working with um, a mission that reaches out to people who are struggling with different kinds of addiction, uh, homelessness. And so if they're able to get into this program, you know, there's rules and they have to abide by those rules, but they have a roof over their head, a place to sleep uh, and meals but they go through this program that's um, intended to help them work through um, these addictions and ministers from all kinds of different churches in that city 
work together, volunteer to minister to those men. And then I believe there's also a, a separate home for women that's similar to that um, in that city. But um, just working together like that. And um, I think that's that's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's, it's been going for a while. And, and so these men are expected to go to a church on Sundays. And so they'll go to the different churches of the the people that volunteer at this this rehab program, and um, so then there's opportunity to kind of mentor these men or women in the case of the the women's home as well. And so, um, really great program that was started by someone that I don't really know personally well, but obviously some really good things going on there and some biblical teaching and everything all interspersed through the program. Thank you, Justin. Carla? I think it would be interesting to uh, maybe take a poll of all the people at Meadowlark to see where they are involved in the community Mm -hmm. because I have a friend that I've known here for, you know, 25 years and was talking to her a few weeks ago and found out that the last few years she's been volunteering at the Crossroads um, for battered women. And I thought, I had no idea you were doing that. And there might be other people that want to volunteer or do something in the community, but maybe they're afraid or they don't know how to go about it. If we knew who was doing what and people could be more informed, you know, maybe, or something might spark their interest or cause a stirring for them to say, oh, I'm going to go talk to her because mm-hmm. I could really get into that or something. Good. So that would be, along with your class on neighboring. Might My be a, class. Your class that oh. you're going to teach on neighboring, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, as part of that, just to find out what, what people are doing. It's a great idea. Great suggestion. Cindy? I've always thought it's interesting that Jesus met people where they were and met their needs first without hitting them over the head with Scripture. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, it's so simple, The uh, what he said about treating others the way you want to be treated. I think there's a lot that goes back to that. Um, and also, one thing that I've noticed, and I know we've been there, done that, bought that T-shirt and burned it, is that sometimes we... You know, it's like we want to help, but we're afraid to ask for help. So people don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're trying to be strong and not be a burden to somebody, but, you know, you, you need some help. Good. It's one thing I intended to say in my 30 minutes that I didn't say, and I don't have time now to say it the way I want to say it. Uh, and we'll talk more about it next week. When we, next week, we're going to talk about the Church of Our Dreams reaches out to the lost. And what I wanted to say is that we love unconditionally, no strings attached. When we serve people in our community or in our neighborhoods, we're not looking to manipulate them. We're not looking to, okay, if I, if I get to know these people and I start serving them, then maybe I can share the gospel with them. 
Well, I think that's true. I think that's true. But that's not why we serve them. That is not why we love them. We love without strings attached. And if they come to learn that we know God and that we are like a lighthouse, if they come to learn that they can come to us for questions on how they can develop a relationship with God, so be it. But we don't serve them in order to manipulate them so we can get in their home and have a Bible study. You know what I'm saying there, Philip? Our love is no strings attached, unconditional. I want to say more about that next time, but we're out of time. Would you pray with me, and then we'll, uh, we'll take a break. Our Father, we pray for your help as we try to be more like the people you really want us to be. We admit that we fall short, that we're not perfect, but we pray that you would strengthen us through your Spirit to really become people who love others, who love others unconditionally, and not just those among our family, but those who are outside of your family. Give us the love of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.